0: This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I'm excited. Uh, We're starting a new message series today called Gratitude. It's our theme, obviously, not just for Thanksgiving, but it's our theme for the month. Um, I really felt kind of leading up uh, to the end of the summer that, I don't know about you, but it's very easy right now to be negative. Okay, maybe just me. (laughs) It's very easy to be negative. It's very easy to look at all of the things in the world right now that are concerning and think a negative thought. It's incredibly easy right now uh, to think kind of glass half empty rather than glass half full. And I want to just say this morning as we start this new series, and Carling and I are going to actually tackle this series over the next four weeks together, uh, but I want to say this morning that I honestly believe with my heart of hearts that this principle is a principle that God has deposited in every single human being. And the moment they come to Christ, something's unlocked. And that's why you feel oftentimes this conflict in your heart when you know you should be grateful, but something's fighting against it. Because it means something's been unlocked. It means something's been turned on. It means something's been deposited from God the Father, who's a good, good Father, into your life. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Um, I want to start this morning with um, a quote by a man by the name of Thomas Merton, an author, Christian author, and he said this. He said, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us. And he has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of His love, every moment of existence is a grace, for it brings with it immense graces from Him. I love this quote, I love the fact that I I think this just sets us up beautifully for this entire series over the next four weeks. I can honestly say in my heart of hearts that I am grateful for this indescribable gift. Sometimes we receive a gift and and we get these gifts, you know, from our children or sometimes from others. And you open it up and you look at it and you go, you don't even know what it is. It's that indescribable. Do you know what I'm saying? But this is a gift that's indescribable in a whole nother way. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we're tracking along with this principle, with this virtue, that you would make a, a concerted effort this morning to examine your life. To examine your attitude. To examine the things that you say. To examine, if I can say this, to examine your default mode. What do you default to in everyday life? What are you saying in your lunchroom at work? Are you the guy that's changing the atmosphere? Are you the girl that's changing the atmosphere for the better? Or are you changing it for the worse? Or are you just tracking along with what else is going around? Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. I'm going to use this as my starting point this morning as far as Scripture is concerned. And I love this verse. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible for those that maybe have your You version on your Bible, or your Bible app on your phone or your tablet with you. It says this, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. And especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. This is, this is Paul literally talking to the church in Rome. Living then as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. I love that line. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Gratitude flows from who God is. That is the absolute amazing truth from today. So I can say it like this. Gratitude is a matter of His presence. If you're truly in His presence and you are abiding in Christ as the Gospel of John says, then there's an element that happens where you're going to feel this conflict. (laughs) Where the world is putting on you certain thoughts and certain opinions and certain attitudes in one moment. But you know that Christ is viewing that entire situation in a completely different light. Christ has a completely different perspective of the person that you're struggling with right now. Because His heart always, always is freedom for every single individual. That's His heart. Never changes. When He sees somebody, He sees their potential. When he sees somebody, he sees the seed of greatness on the inside of them, and he's calling that forth. He's calling that forth. He's literally putting every last ounce of water and sunlight around that seed in order to see it grow. Because he sees the potential in every single person. I mean, this is a simple statement, but I think it's profound. Um, gratitude will never come from more, accusi- uh, more uh, acquisition or acquisitions. Or more stuff. It's not going to come that way. It's only going to come from more awareness of God's presence and God's goodness in your life. Think about this. The moment you're looking at the absolute worst situation that you've ever faced, the most difficult time in your life, and the only thought you have is this is the end of the world, you know, what are we going to do? God's reminding you to say, hey, I took care of it. It's on the cross. You and me are stuck for eternity. That's pretty good. Amen. I remember a story that Sandra's told me, and uh, it always wrecks me every time she tells it to me. And you can actually uh, read about the story on YouTube. That you just type in, uh, what was the name? The Estonia, right? So you can type in this uh, cruise line or cruise ship called Estonia. And back in 1994, I believe was the year, there was this cruise ship that was going between uh, a ferry. They called it a ferry, but it's the size of a cruise ship. It was huge. Um, That was going between Estonia all the way to either Finland or to Sweden. And in this particular situation, this was back in the days before they had made adjustments to how they uh, drove people onto boats. They used to drive the cars into the front of the ship, and they would open the front of the ship close behind it, seal it tight, and then they would drive out the back. Most of us would know now, if you've ever been over there, most times you drive in the back and go out the back, or you drive in the side and go out the back. One of those two things. And so what happened was, the compartments didn't seal properly. They went out into a storm, and the worst case scenario happened. It went down, and multiple people lost their lives. But there's an element of this story that sometimes goes unnoticed. And Sandra knows it because she knew somebody on that boat. She knew a team of people on that boat. Little did anyone else know that there was a missions team on that boat. And you can look at that situation and go, this is the end of the world. This is awful. And every single one of them recognized the call to eternity. And there's stories that have come out after this because there was four people that survived the, 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 uh, the ship going down. And one of them was from this team, and they were telling stories of how many people from this team, as soon as they knew that they were doomed, they started going person to person to person to person, leading them to Christ. Because they only had that chance left. They knew that they were going down, unless barring a miracle of God, they knew that they were going down. And they took that last minute, that last opportunity to say, Jesus, this is about you. It's not about me right now. This is about you. So we're going to tell as many people as we possibly can. Grateful for their own eternity, they gave the gift of eternity to many other people before they died. Every situation will produce two perspectives. Every situation. It will never change. You're going to have the perspective of, oh, me. Or you're going to have the perspective of, amen. It's one of the two, but we're going to have that perspective in every single time in our lives. I love how gratitude flows from God. It says in Romans chapter 2, verses 4, the second part, it says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repent. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change. It's the goodness of God that leads us to life transformation. It's His goodness. Sometimes, depending on your church background, we think it's His holiness Sometimes we think it's His justice. Sometimes we think it's His lightning bolts from the sky that are making us run like crazy, scared of Him. But it's His goodness that leads people to Himself. No matter where you're at, no matter what perspective you have, no matter whether you're walking in gratitude or not right now, His goodness draws you in. So a question I have for you this morning is, can we recognize God's goodness in our life? Can we recognize it? This is the key of gratitude. There's a Christian author by the name of Robert Roberts. Yes, I know. I had the same thought as soon as I saw it. Robert Roberts. What were his parents thinking? That's all I got to say. <laughs> so they go going, that must have been a bad day in the Roberts household that day. And I don't even want to know what their sister was. Was it Roberta Roberts? I don't know. Like it's, I look at that and I go, man, my goodness, that's problems. Sometimes, we go to our kids' classes now and we see the class lists. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm old and old-fashioned and just so stuck in the mud with certain things. I'm reading the class list going, did any of the parents ever think that no one will be able to spell their child's name ever in their life? Michael is M-I-C-H-A-E-L. No, it's something completely different. I look at it and I go, I have no clue. So anyhow, Robert Roberts, he said this quote. He said, there's a uniquely Christian framework, a unique Christian framework for gratitude. And he goes on and talks about this concept in an article. I actually read it a couple weeks ago, and I was mesmerized by this article. Um, He's actually an academic. He talks on a completely different level as far as my brain is concerned. But the more I read it, the more I kind of took it in, I started to completely get where he was coming from and how he picked this apart. And so I want to kind of take some of his thoughts this morning and share them with you and then expand upon it. But I'm going to start this morning with a very basic definition for gratitude. It's simply this. The quality of being thankful. That's good. The readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Another way to say this this morning is this. It is the perception of the good. It's the perception of the good. It's our perspective of the good. God is always good, and God's goodness never ceases and never fails. That's why we can be confident in coming to Him this morning. The problem is, um, what I've seen in my life and I've seen in other people's lives, is that they try to get to the principle of gratitude by sheer willpower. They just try to make themselves think a certain way. But the problem is, is if your heart hasn't changed, you can make yourself think a a certain way all day long. You can watch every Tony Robbins Uh, video that's ever been put out, and you will still have a problem in your heart. So the issue is what's inside. The issue is not what comes out. The issue is what is inside. Amen? So what we want to do this morning is talk about gratitude as being a byproduct of a way of seeing things or a certain worldview. And that's what I believe God wants to address in us this morning. And when Robert Roberts, in his um, article, talks about this concept of gratitude, he actually divides it into three core key themes that I want to share with you this morning. And he uses every aspect of it from the Latin word bene, which is where we get the word benefit from or beneficiary and so on and so forth. And the word bene, interestingly enough, means good. We sang a song this morning about good, good father and how good he is. I mean, God's a great God. He takes care of us, amen? But I want to share with you three thoughts. Number one is gratitude involves... A benefit. It involves a benefit. In order for you and me to be grateful, I have to receive a gift. Right? How many have ever been grateful when they received a gift? How many took that gift and kept on giving it in the next, uh, next Christmas, uh, you know, staff Christmas party, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we had these ones every year at John Howard where we would always get these crazy gifts, and then next year it would be like, hey, they rewrapped it. That's so awesome. So there was this one gift that was famous. It just kept getting rewrapped every year. And so just to let you know, because I know you all want to know what it was, it was a Chia Pet. Remember those? So the Chia Pet just kept on giving every single year. And it's like, who's going to give it this year? We didn't even know. And then the person who won it the previous year would always totally catch us thinking it was going to be them giving it and then they would mess us up and have someone completely random give it. But it just kept going on and on and on and on. I love that. But gratitude involves a benefit. In order to be grateful, I must receive a gift and I must perceive that it is a good thing for me. In other words, it must be favorable. Or if not, we wouldn't be grateful, right? And so Psalm 103 verses 2 down to the first part of verse 5, it says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, another word for that is sin, who heals all our diseases, who redeems our life from destruction, who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, and who satisfies our mouths with good things. Good things. I like that. And for some of us, we're going to be experiencing those good things this afternoon. You know what I'm saying? Or tomorrow. But either way, they're going to be good things. And everyone who loves to eat turkey said... All right, that's good. But the word bene, remember, means good. God fills our life with benefits. He fills our life with blessing. Gratitude requires, catch this, gratitude requires that we recognize it. We have to. Cuz if we don't recognize what is good, if we don't recognize the benefit that's right in front of us, we won't be grateful. Or we'll always compare. Well, my situation is not as good as someone else's situation. Therefore, I am ungrateful. Right? Psalm 100, verse 3, in the Amplified, it says this, Know and fully recognize with gratitude that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us, not we ourselves, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We are His. Amen? Gratitude requires that we recognize it and that we know that it's good. That's what it demands from us. The second one is this. Gratitude always involves a benefactor. A benefactor. Benevolence, just to to compare here, the word benevolence, which you'll hear in church a lot, we don't really use it that much, but it's a word that you'll hear in church, especially growing up, a lot. And it literally means to will the good. But a benefactor means one who does good. How many know that God is the supreme benefactor? He is one that does good all the time. It's nothing that He ever does that isn't good. Amen? So in order to be grateful, you must believe that benefits are coming your way. You must believe that they didn't come by accident, that it wasn't just an oops, that God didn't have a cosmic mistake, and you just sort sort of happened to be there when it happened. That's not what it's about. You have to believe that it came from somebody and that that benefactor has good intentions towards you. Causes us to be grateful. Causes us to have gratitude and to be thankful for what God's doing. If I'm to be a grateful person, then I must believe that about God. I have to. I have to. Amen? Amen? James is convinced that God was a great benefactor. He says in the very first chapter of James, starting at verse 16, it says, "...don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters." Oftentimes when we read this, we just read verse 17. But I love verse 16. It sets us up for verse 17. It says, "...don't be misled. Don't think that God's not a good God. Don't think that God's not a good benefactor. Don't think that He's not out for your best interest. God's a good God, so don't be misled, my brothers and sisters." Verse 17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. It's an expression of His goodness. That He's always giving goodness. to who He is. God doesn't do goodness. God is goodness. We getting it? Alright. Romans chapter 5. I love this scripture. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. And I want to add in another word if I could, if I could Cameron paraphrase it for a second, and a new perspective. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love and his perspective. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. That missions team on that boat died not for people who were especially good, but because people needed Jesus. They gave up their life because they knew how good God was. And they knew that eternity with God is all that matters. Think about this. If we can just get really practical for a second. If we can compare our life, which is the average lifespan of an individual right now, they're saying is around somewhere between 70 and 75 years. <clears throat> if that's the average lifespan, compare that to eternity. Boop, it's gone. So what we do is we judge God's love for us not based upon eternity, but based upon the here and now. Which causes us to be ungrateful. Ungrateful. But if you're judging things from his perspective, from eternity, that's why he said the Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. He knows all things. But if God is judging earth and us according to eternity, man, is he ever good. Because everything he does is to point him to him. Everything he does is to point us to the cross. Why? Because eternity is all that matters. On that boat, on that Estonia boat, going between... Uh, Estonia and Finland that day there was only one moment for those people they literally that ship according to the records went down in 12 minutes and a team of I don't even know how many kids were on that missions team how many there was 30 kids on that missions team and they went nuclear trying to reach every single person everyone except one lost their life of those kids and I'm grateful because it, with one of them surviving, they were able to tell the story of what happened. We can't go back and undo the Estonia, but we can come away from it with a perspective about eternity. When we see eternity, we're grateful. <laughs> Where would we be without the cross? Where would you be right now without an empty tomb? Where would you be right now without the promise of eternity from Jesus himself? I don't even want to know where I would be. I'm telling you right now, I would not be here. If I did what I wanted to do in my earlier life, I would not be here. That's for sure. I'd be a statistic somewhere. That's what I would have been. Gratitude is the result of being in the presence of God. Amen? I want to read a quote from Chuck Colson. He says this, Jonathan Edwards, who, for those that know your Bible history, your church history, he was a major player in the Puritan movement in the uh, late 1700s, early 1800s. Um, Amazing man of God. He says this, Jonathan Edwards calls the deeper primary form of thankfulness gracious gratitude. I love that. It gives thanks not for goods received, but for who God is, for his character, his goodness, love, power, and excellence. Regardless of favors received, it's real evidence of the Holy Spirit working in a person's life. I'm going to read it again. It's so good. Jonathan Edwards calls the deeper primary form of thankfulness gracious gratitude. It gives thanks not for goods received, but for who God is, for His character, His goodness, His love, His power, and His excellence. Regardless of favors received, and it's real evidence of the Holy Spirit working in a person's life. Number three, gratitude involves a beneficiary. Guess who that is? That's us. That's who we are. There has to be a benefit. In other words, there has to be a gift that is good. There has to be a benefactor. In other words, there has to be someone who's good. And there has to be a beneficiary, one who receives the good or goods. In that sense right that's us that's you and that's me we are the beneficiary of the benefits of God who is a loving benefactor that's the role and dynamic of gratitude you're the beneficiary of God's blessing you're the beneficiary of God's benefits you're the beneficiary of one who is perfectly good one who is perfectly good in the way that He loves you and cares for you. But there's a key insight for this whole concept of a beneficiary. I want to share it with you this morning. For there to be gratitude, beneficiaries must believe that they're receiving something that they did not earn. Because if not, they wouldn't be grateful. Just think of all your parenting moments. In the last 10 years, for those that are parents. If not, call up a friend who has kids and ask them the same question Can you remember a moment where your kids were not grateful for the gift given to them by a great benefactor named Mom and Dad? Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, it says this For God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God because He's good. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, I love this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. From eternity to eternity. I love this. Salvation is not a reward for our good. Salvation is a reward from the one who is good. Amen? When he who is good does good on our behalf, the only result is gratitude. God, thank you for this indescribable gift. Thank you for your heart for us. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank You for providing for us. Thank You for our children. Thank You for health. Thank You for the answers to prayer. Thank You for hope. Thank You for peace in the midst of a chaotic world. Thank You for love that You continuously pour out into our lives. Man, we're just overwhelmed by His greatness. Listen to this. If I believe that I am owed something, I won't be grateful because I feel entitled. But if I believe that I owe something... I am grateful because I feel indebted. You know what we owe him? Our lives. If it's going to be a perfect divine exchange, then we have to give our life back for the life he gave for us. His life for ours. His life for our eternal life. I'm grateful. If that's the only thought you've got taken away this morning, we'll be grateful for the rest of our lives. Every day we'll be grateful. There's an interesting, uh, I just want to end with this thought, but there's an interesting, um, coming back to my my Jewish thoughts from a couple weeks ago when we talked about discipleship and followership and And this whole concept of the rabbi bringing a student along with him. And and I talked about that three weeks ago. But I want to just share a couple of cool little thoughts here. About this whole idea of the benefit and the benefactor and the beneficiary. Um, When a young person was taught how to pray, there was two major prayers that they were required to pray. As a Jewish child uh, becoming uh, into either manhood or into womanhood. The one was called the Shema, which as soon as I read the verse, you're going to be like, oh, okay, I've heard that before. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 5, and it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus quoted this verse when he was uh, on earth, uh, which completely um, solidified and gave that whole concept of the Shema credibility. They prayed this because that was part of their every single day routine. This is what they did. They prayed because they were grateful for this great benefactor that had given them so much. But there was a second group of prayers that they prayed that in the Jewish tradition is affectionately called the 18. It's called the 18 benedictions. We're using the word bene again, good, and dictions, which means words. So it was the good words we would declare to God as we prayed every morning. And they did this every morning. They prayed the 18 benedictions. And every night before they went to bed, they would pray the 18 This is what they did. And interestingly enough here, a benediction was any prayer that involved an attitude of blessing someone else. Lord, we bless you for who you are. Lord, we bless you. And so the phraseology would be this, blessed are you God. That's how it would always start. Blessed are you God. And then as a rabbi was training his students or those that were following him, he would invite them to uh, expand upon that basic thought and to personalize that prayer. Like this, blessed are you, God, who abundantly forgives. Maybe that's what you need today. Blessed are you, God, who heals the sick. Maybe that's what you need today. Blessed are you, God, who brings hope to the hopeless. Maybe that's what you need today. Blessed are you, God, who brings peace in the midst of the storm. Maybe that's your life story today. But that's how every prayer started. What was the rabbi teaching his students to do he was training them for gratitude it's what they did we have a messianic jewish family that that we know very well sander grew up with and has had just incredible moments with and i'll tell you i have never in my life seen a family bless one another like this family does constant it's not just in deed, it's in word. It's word, deed, and deed in word. It's just back and forth, left, right, side to side. It's all over the place. They're constantly blessing one another. The, the father had this giant chair that he would have in the living room. And he had this giant chair. Actually, when I visited him, I wanted to be blessed so bad, I just climbed up right up in his lap and his, just said, can you bless me? <laughs> you know, this six foot, you know, 200 pound guy that just jumps up in his lap. And he sat there. He was six foot three and about 280 pounds. He was a big guy. And, he, and he'd just put his hand on my back and he'd start rubbing my back almost like I was his like, three-year-old son. And he would just start to bless me. And tears would just start coming down my cheeks because I was just absolutely blown away by the sincerity, by the overwhelming sense of gratitude and connection between him and his father. Think about this. Could our family dynamic completely change if we made a point every single day of speaking life over our children. I bless you my son. I bless you my daughter. Can you imagine if our kids turned that around and started blessing us? Wow. Now in our in our home they do. They're awesome. We have we we do this a lot but I love it. He was training them for gratitude. To these students of the rabbi, gratitude came when they recognized the benefits already given to them by the most loving benefactor in the entire world, God the Father, Abba Father. He was blown away by those things. Gratitude is a matter of of being in His presence. Changes us. But it doesn't end there. I, I want to end with this thought. There was a, a scene in the book of Matthew where the disciples came to Jesus and they asked Jesus, they said, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus responded with something that we're going to read together in a second. It's called the Lord's Prayer. But what you didn't know is it is in summary form, the eighteen. Jesus took what every Jewish child would know, summarized them, and now we know it as the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 5, the Lord's Prayer. Let's let's stand this morning. Let's read it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.